Hello, everyone, and welcome again to Joe's Tango Podcast. I'm your host, Joe Yang, and I want to welcome any first-time listeners out there. I'm really happy you decided to tune in. So whether you're a seasoned tango dancer or a novice who just started, you've come to the right place. Now, I know we pick up a lot from taking classes, workshops, and private lessons, but there's another valuable learning resource that's often overlooked, and that's the personal anecdotes and insights of the very teachers who guide us. And the purpose of the interviews on this podcast is to help fill that gap and to provide you some more learning tools as you progress on your own tango adventure. As you know, I love getting feedback from listeners, so if you ever want to get in touch, feel free to email me at wisconsintango at gmail.com. Once again, that's wisconsintango, all one word, at gmail.com. For today's show, I was lucky enough to be able to do an in-person interview, which you'll hear in a moment. My guest has a musical background as a guitarist, and he's also a major presence in the London tango scene as an instructor and organizer. On Wednesday evenings, he's known for hosting the popular Tango Bridge Milonga, which, as you can guess from the title, is right next to the famous London Bridge. Among his many projects, he's busy exploring and teaching Kanjenge, which is widely known as a predecessor to the modern tango which we dance today. Okay, so before we start, uh, while I was recording our interview, I brought only one of my microphones, which I let my guests use. For myself, I had to resort to using the built-in mic on the laptop, which wasn't ideal, but worked. So if my voice sounds funny, there's nothing wrong on your end, nothing wrong with your headphones or your speakers. It's because I forgot to bring my second microphone. Okay, and with me now is Antonio Riva. Antonio, thank you so much for taking the time to be on the podcast. It's, uh, it's great to meet you. Thank you, Joe. I've been yeah. looking forward to this for the past three months. <laughs> Finally, we managed. If you don't know, I'm actually in London with, with Antonio. Uh, it's really nice to do a uh, face-to-face. By the time you're hearing this, we'll be, I'll be back in the U.S. And congratulations on the birth of your daughter not too long ago. Oh, so, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> so I know you have a very Beautiful busy schedule. Legend. Yes, yeah, it's yeah. fine. <laughs> There's always time for tango anyway. Yeah, <laughs> great. Okay, just to jump right into things. Antonio, can you describe the moment or the moments, could have been more than one, when you knew you wanted tango to be a big part of your life? Well, I think that the first time was when I heard tango music the first time. I've really been, I've always been into music and um, tango music was the first thing that attracted me to this dance. So it wasn't really about the movements, it wasn't really about you know, the philosophy or the history of the dance, uh, but it was really, really just about the instruments, the bandoneon, the, this, this very sad, melancholic, melodic instrument. You know? Uh, and that was one of those key moments, um, you know, that really give you new ideas, you know, change the perception of things that you have. I think that the second important moment was after my first ever tango class, and that was in London. I just loved it. It was difficult, uh, you know, when you're a beginner, you approach this dance and it's scary. There's so many moves to learn, there's so, so many things to, to think about at the same time, especially if you want to learn how to be a leader. But I just felt that my body reacted to it very well. Uh, and I had some amazing time dancing with different partners during the class, and it really did it for me. The teachers, uh, the teachers that we had also were very good at promoting 
uh, you know, the classes for beginners and letting us understand that you know you shouldn't feel discouraged because it's learning process. And so I just kept uh, dancing, kept learning more and more to the point of you know having maybe five nights a week of lessons and then the other two nights a week of practice and dancing. Um, I started teaching. Mm -hmm. I started having my own events. Mm -hmm. uh, they went well sometimes, not so well other times. <laughs> uh, but here we are. Yeah. And now I'm, you know, involved involved with tango, in love with tango, and uh, I don't think he will ever leave me. It's like a chronic disease, <laughs> a <laughs> good um, one. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Is what was your very first dance at a malanga like? It was very scary. I arrived there with a group of friends from the classes. Uh, our teacher organized this evening for us to go out in a, in a proper social milonga. Mm. Uh, and we were all very energized. Yeah, we're gonna go, you know, we're gonna be great. We're gonna <laughs> dance with everyone and we're gonna, you know, show off all the moves that we've learned. <laughs> uh, I think I probably danced one tanda that <laughs> night. Oh, wow. And that was it. I spent the rest of the night sitting down, not really knowing what to do, who to invite. Mm. Uh, and uh, yeah, it was quite scary, very <laughs> scary experience. Yeah. But I kept going. Good. Yes. Good. Yeah. And, and being a musician, I remember before we started recording, you mentioned you're a guitarist. Yes. Was that an advantage for you, learning tango, do you think? I think it was in that it gave me a, a perspective on rhythm mm -hmm. um, and musicality that is really key to this dance. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, when, when we teach uh, beginners, we, we say, maybe at the beginning, yeah, don't think about the music, just try mm -hmm. to go with the feel, focus mm -hmm. on the moves. But really, there has to be a point where you dance with the music, and the mm -hmm. music becomes one of your partners. I, I say, I tell my students sometimes that when you dance tango, you don't dance with one partner only, mm -hmm. but you dance with one partner, that person being your physical partner. Yeah. You dance with a second partner, and that is the music. Mm -hmm. You dance with a third partner, that being yourself, mm -hmm. because you have to be able to manage your own body mm -hmm. uh, on the dance floor, not just someone else. Yeah. And you dance with a fourth partner, that being the floor. And you have to dance with the floor and the music first, mm -hmm. then with yourself, mm -hmm. and then your physical partner will just be there appreciating mm -hmm. the way you move and you move together with them. Okay, nice. Yeah, so when it does come time to be a little more involved with the music, how do you introduce that to a, to a student? What's your particular method? Uh, I, think, I think there is no specific method for that. I think you have to go a little bit where the type of students that you have mm -hmm. in, in your class. Yeah. You have classes that are naturally more musical Mm -hmm. uh, maybe you just need one or two elements in the mm -hmm. class to make the whole class very, very musical. Mm -hmm. Other classes have a little bit more difficulty and will take a little bit more time mm -hmm. for that. But eventually we, we all get there, but with different timing. I think one strategy that I have with the easy classes, mm -hmm. the, the already naturally musical classes, is to just play music mm -hmm. and ask them to dance, finding their own rhythm. Mm -hmm. Because in a way or another, I know that they will find the rhythm and they will dance to it. Mm -hmm. And I think a strategy, a strategy that I use with 
classes where musicality maybe is not there already mm -hmm. is to play an easier track a more rhythmical track like ah. San Biagi for example yeah. and ask the students to at least clap okay. in time with the music mm -hmm. um, and then we go from there and we see how the class progresses mm -hmm. it gets trickier when you want to try and start explaining phrasing Right. and how music is organized at least western music but i think that that's not that's not something that you would try to explain mm. straight away anyway okay. uh, first you want people to find their inner rhythm mm -hmm. and you want them to match that mm. with the outer rhythm yeah. that is played okay. you know from the speakers yeah it's kind of changing gears to to your own learning experiences Antonio so what's some really good or some memorable advice that you've gotten from some of your own teachers over the years ah that's a very interesting question I think that a very valuable suggestion that I had from my first teacher was just dance mm. I show you the moves you put them together yeah. and then I'll watch and I'll correct Mm -hmm. I think that at the beginning is it's very difficult to keep track of all the different details that make a mm -hmm. tango step, mm -hmm. even just a simple step forward or step side. Mm -hmm. And sometimes you just have to let the body mm -hmm. do it for you, mm -hmm. and you put the mind, you know, yeah. and you, you rationalize later. So I think that that was really really valuable. Teacher said, you know, this is the music, this is the step. It's mm -hmm. easy, just do it. Mm. what if it doesn't work just do it mm. yeah and it will work and eventually it does work mm. i think that that's yeah for at the beginning is a very key thing to keep in mind mm. that basically we are given this body mm -hmm. and there are only a certain number of ways that this body can move Mm -hmm. So when we are on the dance floor, we don't have to invent new ways to move the body that we already have. Mm -hmm. We have to try and use ways that are already there mm -hmm. and adapt them mm -hmm. to make them look more tango, to make yeah. them look more salsa, to make them look more something else. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. That's one of, the, one, of, one of the wonderful things about the dance is that it, it doesn't favor any particular body type. You can, yeah. you can really use what you have to some sort of advantage at any yeah, given time. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It doesn't favor any particular body type and it doesn't favor any particular age either. Right. Unlike other sports, you can you can do tango you know, for a long time. I mean, you can't pretty play much. rugby when you're 70, but you can definitely tango. Yeah, absolutely. Pretty much yeah. since you're 15, 20, mm -hmm. 25, yeah. until the time you're 80, 85. Yeah. I think that probably the oldest person we've had on one of our dance floors in the past must have been probably 86 or 87 wow. something like that and the youngest probably around 20 21 mm. okay that's a huge range it's a huge range and it works well for everyone mm -hmm. yeah absolutely so i know earlier you you really got into tango and eventually you started teaching and that's not a leap that most people make how did that journey happen for you it was a little bit random i mean i i, I love teaching so being in front of people and speaking to people, explaining what, what, what I have in mind mm. uh, really, really works for me. But in that case, it was quite random because uh, my teacher at the time had uh, the problem of ever expanding classes. Mm -hmm. 
his courses and his school were so successful at the wow. time that he had so many students that he just couldn't handle them all by himself. <laughs> mm-hmm. And when I say so many students, I'm not saying 20, 30, I'm mm-hmm. saying 50, 60 people coming every evening for classes. Mm-hmm. So he just really asked a few of us if we wanted to start helping him out. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe not being teachers, but you know, helping out during the classes, Mm-hmm. Uh, go back to the beginners classes and help him, te- help him teach mm-hmm. complete beginners. So that's how I started and um, yeah, it worked for me and uh, I had the possibility of having more and more classes mm-hmm. to teach afterwards. I started having my own classes after that and recently I decided to, to train at, at, at a more advanced level to learn how to teach ah. tango because sometimes you know you don't just want to learn the dance that you dance mm-hmm you want to be sure that what you're teaching is consistent Mm. and is accepted across it's not just your point of view Mm -hmm. but it's something that another teacher would appreciate and would approve Mm. yeah so i want to talk a little bit about uh, communities yeah and so what are some ways for advanced dancers to help the beginners because sometimes our teachers aren't always going to be around and we'll have to rely on our peers what advice do you, would you have for that? I have a couple of suggestions. Mm-hmm. One is if you have your own tango community, you have, you know, maybe it's the school where you learned mm-hmm. and you've remained uh, with them, you, re- you remain loyal mm-hmm. to them in inverted commas. Uh, you can always go back and help at the beginners' classes. Mm-hmm. In the beginners' classes, you can discuss with your teacher or with the current teacher if that's something that they would like to have Mm -hmm. and I would be surprised if they said no yeah because sometimes it's really difficult if you don't have that extra help Mm -hmm. especially when you have a lot of people in the class yeah another suggestion that I would have is for people that have a a stronger experience with these dance Mm -hmm. they could try organize Mm -hmm. their own small events for mm-hmm. a small group of people, mm-hmm. practicas. It doesn't have to be a milonga. It doesn't have to be a new tango school mm-hmm. all of a sudden. It can just be hiring a dance studio mm-hmm. for a Saturday afternoon for a couple of hours and just putting an advert on Facebook or Twitter or sending an email yeah. to your friends and yeah. contacts saying, look, I've hired this room for a couple of hours. I'm going to play tango. Why don't you come along and practice? Mm-hmm. You know, and I think that that would really, really help. Yeah, great. Uh, it's very difficult to have beginners go to milongas mm. and being accepted straight away right. because obviously your when you're a beginner your standard is not good enough mm. to blend in with mm. you know with other people that have been dancing for more years but if if we don't have a dance floor that is open for beginners mm. and improvers as mm. well that's not going to make things any easier for them mm-hmm. The first night, as we were saying before, my first night in a yeah. social milonga was mm. scary. Yeah. And I almost didn't dance for the whole night. Mm. It would have been so much different mm-hmm. if I'd had one, the possibility to access one of these places. Yeah. You know, more informal mm-hmm. in a way. Yeah. Yeah. And that sort of segues into the next uh, item I wanted to bring up. Beginners, how really enthusiastic beginners they start getting addicted to tango we talked about yeah. how that's sort of the same yeah yeah your life changes exactly but at the same time a lot of those beginners they want to get good and they're they're perfectionists 
Yes. Uh, sometimes they have these negative thoughts going through their heads like, oh, I'm afraid I'm not good enough. I'm afraid that people aren't going to like dancing with me or I'm going to mess up. How do you, how do you address that when, when you see that mindset coming into yeah. your students? I think it's, uh, it's, it's, it's tricky. Mm. It's tricky because you don't want to you don't want to have a negative effect on people's perception of themselves mm -hmm. and what they can do and they cannot do. You don't want to impact on their confidence because if you start lacking confidence, then that's the time when you stop. Mm -hmm. um, I think that I would say, first of all, keep at it. Mm -hmm. Don't feel discouraged. Mm -hmm. It's a difficult dance to, to, to learn mm -hmm. at the beginning regardless of whether you want to be a leader or a follower. Mm -hmm. It's easy to find people on the dance floor that tell you off because <laughs> you don't dance well enough, because mm -hmm. you haven't learned that step and because mm -hmm. your ochos are bad and, you know, all sorts of things. I think that if you really like this dance, uh, you should just keep at it for at least six months to a year. Mm -hmm. Just stop thinking. Just go to classes, get the body, learn the moves, mm -hmm. get the body, do the dance for you. Mm -hmm. And then you will realize that you've been dancing tango for the rest of your, for, you know, since yeah. you were born, yeah. <laughs> basically, and, and you didn't even know it. Yeah. Yeah. Cause, cause you know how you said you sort of naturally gravitated towards, towards teaching. Now does your background as a biomedical researcher, I mean, having to explain things to, to a lot of other people, has that in, had any influence on you as a teacher? I think it has having to engage with people, explaining techniques, mm. um, trying to be as detailed as you can, mm. and also talking, you know, presenting your work at conferences. Mm -hmm. uh, you have to have a certain level of confidence. You have to be able to interact with people. Mm -hmm. You have to be able to be very clear at saying what you want to say in the shortest amount of time possible. Uh, yeah. um, but I think he's also, the reverse is also true. I mm -hmm. think that personality-wise, I, I like doing this. So mm -hmm. I like doing it, whether it's about tango or it's about science or it's about you know anything else that I know and that I, can, I feel confident enough to explain to people. Mm -hmm. So I think it's, it's a two-way process. It's always been a two-way process for me, mm -hmm. teaching, working. Mm -hmm. um, it's always difficult to tell. Mm -hmm. You know, what is the prevalent influence on, on what? Yeah. So over the years, Antonio, what have you learned from your own students? Number one, to be patient mm -hmm. because I keep reminding myself that I too was a beginner mm -hmm. and we all are mm -hmm. at some point when we start this dance and maybe we never stop being beginners. Mm -hmm. Being patient and I think being able to see the dance mm -hmm. in a lot of different ways mm -hmm. from a lot of different points of view because it's not just about the way I, I feel the dance or I see the dance, mm -hmm. it's also about how I give it mm -hmm. to someone else for them to like and to appreciate. Mm -hmm. um, talking about students at a more advanced level, I think the attention to detail and as a teacher you should not be scared to teach one detail for mm. one hour mm. okay because sometimes yes you have to learn how to balance mm -hmm. but sometimes even if it feels like it's too much mm -hmm. actually it's not too much mm -hmm. at all and mm -hmm. people like that mm -hmm. if they have that kind of personality yeah yeah i like what you said about going really really more into detail on 
just a few themes as opposed to throwing out so many yeah so many things and it improves your own dance as well mm -hmm. uh, if you teach well this will influence the way you dance mm -hmm. you will dance well if you teach simple steps you will focus on simple steps mm -hmm. you will find simple steps in your own dances mm -hmm. but you will find that these simple steps get better and better yeah. and better mm -hmm. i think some people would disagree with this but mm -hmm. i don't think that tango is just about theater productions mm -hmm. or big uh, tango shows they're they're amazing mm -hmm. you know and i i love them i i would always want to have at least a big tango show per year mm -hmm. you know in, in london or anywhere for people yeah. to go and, and watch mm -hmm. but i think that the authentic tango wasn't born on a stage so if you can learn three or four steps and use those for your dance you learn those and you use those for your dance you don't have to go and learn 25 different steps right. you don't have to feel pressure in learning more mm -hmm. and you don't have to push your teacher mm -hmm. to teach you more more quickly mm -hmm. with less quality mm -hmm. simply because you want to learn how to be a tango professional dancer in less than a month yeah it takes time it takes time i think people who have been dancing tango for 30 40 years mm -hmm. they would probably tell you the same yeah and it's that you can believe whatever you want about your level of dance but mm -hmm. we really are all beginners all the time yeah it all goes back to walking backward forward sideways doing very good ochos yeah you know, good saccada mm -hmm. not so many ganchos maybe <laughs> especially on busy dance floors yeah yeah but yeah yeah depending on how much space you have to, to yeah. work with yeah one thing that i would like to add to mm -hmm. uh, a question that you asked before sure. about the fact that you mentioned that you, you do find sometimes students that are so enthusiastic and they want to learn mm -hmm. very very quickly they want to learn everything <laughs> uh, and they go from group classes into private classes mm -hmm. uh, for that particular purpose as well now that is is difficult because you cannot you can you cannot trade off you cannot compromise mm -hmm. on these things yeah as a teacher you can teach tango in mm -hmm. a month yeah but it's not good tango mm. you can teach tango in 20 years mm -hmm. and that might not be good tango either mm. <laughs> uh, but it just it's a dance that requires patience mm. it requires patience from the teacher's perspective but also from the student's perspective yeah. mm. um, when your teacher tells you that uh, maybe you have to repeat the beginners course mm -hmm. it's not because you're a bad dancer right is because you're a good dancer and you need to consolidate mm -hmm. what you've learned yeah. plus you come back and you have a certain level of experience that allows you to help out mm -hmm. other people that are there for the first time yeah so it just takes patience yeah absolutely yeah, yeah and i think that um how you mentioned this is a life-changing activity uh, to get better at tango it's not necessarily about what you do on the dance floor you almost have to readjust a lot of things you do off the dance floor in yeah. your everyday life i don't know if you've found that to be true as well i think you i think i felt that very strongly at the beginning mm -hmm. when you get really excited with with dance mm -hmm. uh, and you know when you started learning it and your dance is getting better on the dance floor mm -hmm. and then maybe you start teaching and that's very exciting as well yeah um yeah you have to make adjustments outside your i think the way you 
you see life changes a little bit. Mm-hmm. You know, when when you read in books or you hear from people that tango is a representation of life, mm-hmm. is a condensed representation of life on the dance floor. Yeah, it's not really true. I mean, it's mm-hmm. really just a dance. But you can <laughs> put in that dance in those three minutes mm-hmm. a lot of emotions. Yeah, you you deal with those emotions by doing that. You mm-hmm. bring them to the surface, and you cannot leave them. Mm-hmm. outside or inside mm-hmm. anymore they're there with you yeah yeah and you stop dancing they stay with you mm-hmm. so the day after you wake up after seven hours dancing mm-hmm. and you still have the music in your ears ringing and you have those emotions <laughs> still going on inside yeah and um yeah you just have to learn how to deal with yourself mm-hmm. i think and other people how to set your boundaries with yourself and mm-hmm. others how to say yes 100% mm-hmm. how to say absolutely not 100% ah, yeah. Uh, yeah it just it just makes you more aware of you know, interactions yeah. communication so Antonio how do you keep challenging yourself to improve huh. well every time you teach a different group mm-hmm. that's already a challenge <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but obviously you know you, you have a set syllabus and you teach the same syllabus all mm-hmm. the time especially if you have set courses Mm -hmm. the way i keep challenging myself as a dancer is by learning more going to classes myself uh, with other teachers uh, learning different styles Mm -hmm. learning how to get better Mm -hmm. with my dances not just with my teaching Mm -hmm. and also sometimes uh, look looking for uh, teaching workshops Mm -hmm. and uh, it's obviously about tango, but it's not just about tango, it's about communication. Learning how to communicate more effectively, that's mm-hmm. very important. Mm-hmm. Uh, learning how to, uh, you know, techniques to keep the attention of your students active, that's very important as well, and that's regardless of the dance. Yeah. One of the things that I did very recently in the last uh, three, four years to, to really challenge my way of seeing the dance and mm-hmm. to learn more about it was, for example, to learn Kanjenge. Mm-hmm to learn how to teach it Mm -hmm. and then to start teaching it Mm -hmm. and that's been very challenging because it's not a style that is danced Mm -hmm. very often at the moment but we are trying to revive it right for those listening who might not know what kanjenge is can you just quickly give a brief description yeah so very very briefly kanjenge is presented generally as a style of tango Mm -hmm. is a more ancient style of tango in reality is one of the predecessors of tango. Mm-hmm. So maybe it would be better saying that tango is a style of kanjenge. Okay. Sometimes. <laughs> but it's a, it's a dance style that was diffused uh, at the turn of the century, mm-hmm. at the turn of the tw- between the 19th and 20th century, mm-hmm. uh, 1800s to 1900s. It died off around the 1920s and the 1930s when mm-hmm. tango came back from Europe mm-hmm. into South America with all the different things yeah. that had taken from London, Paris and all the other different places where he went. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's an older style of tango. It yeah. goes with an older style of music. Mm-hmm. It's simpler, uh, is more fun sometimes. Mm-hmm. And I think learning it is really good because it really shows you where tango comes from. Why do we dance tango nowadays mm-hmm. the way we dance it? Mm-hmm. Why is the embrace in this particular shape? Mm-hmm. Um, how can we improve it? It's a very interesting. It's a very interesting old s- novel, old style. Mm-hmm. 
So with this dance tango, there's so many different layers. There's always something new to learn. So even though you've had so much experience, Antonio, what's something new that you've learned perhaps over the last couple of years? Maybe not necessarily a new figure, but perhaps a concept that you're going more in depth with. That's a very difficult question. <laughs> <laughs> I think in terms of dancing, for me recently in the last couple of years, three, four years, mm -hmm. is really been trying to add new styles. Mm -hmm. It's not about learning more moves, but mm -hmm. learning how to feel the dance mm -hmm. in, different, in different ways. I think that one of the most interesting things for me personally that I've done is really learning more about the history of of this dance mm -hmm. um, so but that's because you know it comes from my background as a scientist and a researcher yeah. going researching for information mm -hmm. learning summarizing mm -hmm. uh, you know writing reports and mm -hmm. things like that <laughs> so I think that that has played a big influence mm -hmm. yeah in your in your research because you probably got more in depth that, uh, with this than others What's, has anything sort of surprised you or anything come up that was really unexpected that you can think of off the top of your head? I think the variety of the sources. I think, yeah, I think the variety of the sources in terms of how many different styles contributed to shape tango as we know it mm. today. Mm -hmm. And also learning about the, the strong influence that Europe had on the development of this worldwide phenomenon mm. that tango is today. Mm -hmm. I think learning about the fact that tango came to Paris and London and then mm -hmm. traveled to New York and fragments went to Germany, Finland, Japan, mm -hmm. such a diverse amount of interpretations that then converged back mm. into Argentina again, bringing <laughs> new music, new ideas. Mm -hmm. At least this is what you read in some yes. history books about tango. Mm -hmm. um, then probably you know we should have been there at the time to right. know if this whole thing was true or not. Mm -hmm. uh, but certainly, yeah, the, the the variety of source of sources, the diversity of sources, mm -hmm. the fact that tango wasn't just a dance; mm -hmm. it was tango music for listening. It was mm -hmm. tango poems, tango movies. It was really a cultural revolution it wasn't just about the dance okay all right so antonio what are some future projects that you're working on i think that at the moment the biggest project that we have and we want to really launch it is about kanjenge yeah and we've just started really so i've already talked about this but it's really mm. something that projects into the future first of all because it's a style that we really really like mm -hmm. and um I think that it's a shame not to learn it, not to teach it, and not mm. to dance it. I have a few ideas, but I think it's a little bit too early to discuss them. I have okay. to formulate a little bit better sure. in my head and then maybe put them in practice, see if they work or not. Okay. And we'll see. All right. Good. Yeah. Keeping that history alive. That's, yeah, absolutely. That's good. That's good. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. So where can we find out more about you and your events and classes online? I think if you want to know more about our group classes, you should look on tangobridge.co.uk mm -hmm. and we are also on Facebook and the groups is called Tango Bridge UK okay. again. Um, if you want to know more about our Kanjenge workshops, our future projects, and if you're interested in private classes, uh, look up www.tangoconnectme.com mm -hmm. 
uh, and you will find all the information there. You can always write to us or send us a text or call us. We are not scary. We like talking to people. So there you go. <laughs> all right. Yeah. And I'll have that information in our show notes so people will be able to look that up and hopefully get a hold of you. And then, Joe, I know you're coming to our Milonga on Wednesday. I am. So it will be interesting to hear your point of view as well <laughs> on what we're doing here in London. I, I'm really looking forward to it. Yeah. I love, love dancing with new communities and meeting new people. It should be a lot of fun. All right, Antonio, thank you again so much for taking the time out. I know you've been super busy with family and with projects and tango and your research and your day job. That's right. Um, yeah, it means a lot that you came out and met me face-to-face out here in London. It's good to, Fantastic. Good to be back. Thank you. All right. It was great meeting Antonio, and a few days after that interview, I did indeed make it to the Wednesday night milonga that you heard us talking about. And I took his Kanjenge class. It was fun, it was challenging, and it was a great history lesson as well, as it really helped me appreciate modern tango even more. After the class, there was the Malanga itself, and that was also a fun time. Great atmosphere, great music, and a friendly international group. Over the course of our conversation, Antonio said some interesting things. What stood out to me was his idea of there being not just one but for tango partners that we need to be aware of. So if you've got the person you're dancing with, that's pretty obvious. You've got the music, you've got yourself, because you gotta listen to and be in tune with your own body. And then there's the floor, which includes everything happening around you. And taking this idea into consideration, I think it explains why milongas feel so overwhelming to new dancers. Because as novices, we're paying attention perhaps just to one or two of those elements, mainly being the person we're dancing with in ourselves. And we're not expecting to be faced with with more of them. So if you're a beginning dancer and you're going out to Malanga and you're just feeling, oh my gosh, there's a lot more to this than you know what I've been doing in my class, and you kind of get that overwhelming feeling, it's probably because we're not taking in consideration all of those four elements that Antonio mentioned. So again, you got your partner, you got yourself, You've got the music and you've got the floor. So prepare yourself to handle those four partners and maybe things will go easier next time. Also, when we were talking about the learning process, I noticed that Antonio consistently brought up proactive strategies. For example, doing something as simple as offering to help out with your teacher's beginner classes is a good idea. Also, getting together with a few friends to practice is really effective as well. You don't need to book a fancy venue or organize a formal event. It can be as casual as dancing in a living room or some other space with an adequate surface. So just finding ways to use and explore your tango is the way to get better. So thank you again, Antonio, for sharing your story and your thoughts. And a big thank you to all you listeners for tuning in. If you're enjoying the show, this is the part where I ask you to take a few seconds to head on over to iTunes, Stitcher, or whichever podcasting site you're using. Hit the subscribe button and leave a five-star rating and review. That helps out a lot. Okay, that's it for now. You've been listening to Joe's Tango Podcast. I'm Joe Yang, and I'll talk to you again soon.